Well, happy Friday to all. It's almost time for the weekend, and that means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's great to be with you again on this Friday, and I am very excited uh, about this podcast today. I know I've said that a lot lately, but we, we've had some exciting things happening. We have. Here at Speaking For Him, we've gotten some pretty... Uh, high-profile interviews. This particular interview, I've been uh, going back and forth uh, with our interview subject for about a year, trying to nail down a date that would work for both of us, and it's finally here, so we're very excited. Um, and we're welcoming in Sarah Blair, who is a uh, 19-year-old a member of the West Virginia House of Delegates. She is I believe the youngest legislator currently in the United States of America. So this is pretty exciting. She's been featured nationally. And so we're very excited to talk to her. But before we do that, um, I just want to play this little YouTube clip that will give you an idea of what this interview is all about. I want to repeat after me. I swear Blair. I swear Blair. Do you solemnly swear or affirm? Do you solemnly swear and affirm? That I will support the Constitution of the United States. That I will support the Constitution of the United States. And this Constitution of the State of West Virginia. And the Constitution of the State of West Virginia. And faithfully discharge the duties of delegate. And faithfully, faithfully discharge the duties of delegate. According to the best of my ability. According to the best of my ability. That I will not accept or receive directly or indirectly. That I will not accept or receive directly or indirectly. Any money or other valuable thing. Any money or valuable thing. From any corporation. From any corporation. Company or person for any vote or influence I may give or withhold. Company or person for any influence I may give or hold. As delegate on any bill. As delegate on any bill. Resolution or appropriation. Resolution or appropriation. Or for any act I may do or perform or as delegate. Or for any act I may do or perform as delegate. So help me God. So help me God. And you're now officially a delegate. Congratulations. All right. And there you have it. Um, that, of course, was Sarah's swearing in to the West Virginia House of Delegates. And we're going to get to Sarah in just a moment. But before we do that, I have a brief quote of the day that Adam is going to give us. Which comes from God's word. This is Second Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Okay, Adam, switching this up a little bit from our usual, do you have a question to start us off? Um, I, I do. Uh, welcoming uh, Sarah with us here today. Sarah Blair, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm going to be asking the million-dollar question, being the, the youngest one ever to hit this position uh, like, were you in senior year of, of high school when you got in here? What what was that experience like during that time period of your life? Um, yeah, I was actually 16 when I made the decision to run at the end of my junior year. So um, the summer between my junior and senior year, um, I ran my campaign, and um, that's really when I started. And so my entire senior year, um, I would go to class and do everything that a regular student would. Um, I would take tests. Um, and then after I finished my test, I would pull out um, some notes and I would write handwritten letters to my constituents and ask them to vote for me. Um, so it was it was an interesting experience, but um, it worked out pretty well. Very cool. 
Yeah, it seems like it did. That is really uh, neat, and it it really caught my eye uh, when you started getting national press, of course. And then, of course, I found out just how accessible you are because I was able to contact you fairly easily, and I really appreciate that. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about your family and your growing up years and maybe how that brought you to this point? Yeah, um, so I am a lifelong resident of Berkeley County, West Virginia. Uh, My father is um, a master electrician and a plumber. Um, He actually um, got involved in politics um, in about 2002. He wasn't happy with the way that the system was going, so he ran for the House of Delegates and was elected. I was six years old when he won his first election. Um, He served in the West Virginia House of Delegates for eight years. And then in 2010, he ran for Senate. Um, he lost that race, but I had worked a lot with him by that point um, as a campaign manager for his state Senate seat. Um, he ran for state Senate again in 2012. I once again uh, worked as his campaign manager, and he was elected then. Um, the whole time I worked with him, um, I knew that it was something that I was going to want to do one day in my life, but um, not necessarily at this point. Okay, um, so so that kind of answers one of my other questions, which is how you got interested in politics. Your dad kind of passed that on to you, and I, I can relate. And actually, um, I haven't made a firm decision yet, but actually your story has persuaded me to investigate the idea of running for state office as well, so that could have been in the near future. I'm still in the investigative stage, but you are an inspiration to me. And I wanted to let you know that. Um, but talk about why you ran for the House of Delegates. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and best of luck with whichever decision um, that you decide to go with. Um, really, the main factor that really um, inspired me to run was um, a program I participated in my junior year of high school. Um, West Virginia has an organization called the Youth Leadership Association. And there's about 300 high school students from around the state that get taken to uh, Charleston, West Virginia, our state capitol. They uh, write a piece of legislation. They present it on the House floor. Um, they argue it in committees. Um, they do everything that you truly see in the legislative process. And it was so inspiring to see some of the things that the students had come up with. Um, I was actually surprised by um, some of the laws we have today that were created in these mock legislatures that were held by the youth. Um, When you're driving on the road in the white line on the right side of the road, that was actually, um, the idea for that was actually um, thought of by a 16-year-old in the state with having your picture on your driver's license. Those were all ideas that were created by um, the younger generations at the time in these mock legislatures. And um, even the year that I was there, um, some of the ideas that were created that students came up with were just completely inspiring, and um, the program really gave me the push I needed to decide to run. All right, and uh, talk about the campaign. Um, One of the things that I noticed right away was that you were facing an incumbent in the primary, and uh, it might be one thing to run for an open seat, uh, which is what I'm considering, um, or to at least run and have a pretty good idea that you're going to be at least the party's nominee, if not the general election winner. So uh, what what 
thought process went into facing the incumbent, and how was that process for you? Um, when I decided to run, um, it was nothing to do with uh, my opinion of the incumbent's performance or any reflection of him whatsoever. It was just uh, my belief that I really wanted to make a difference. And one of the biggest reasons that I really decided to run, not really what gave me the push I needed, but the reason why, um, in West Virginia, we have the only state with a declining population. We actually had a higher population in 1950 than we do now, and the biggest reason for that is uh, my generation. Uh, students get their high school and their college education here in the state of West Virginia, and then they leave in order to find a job. And it scares me because I know that if things don't change here in the state, um, especially at the legislative level, um, in order to bring jobs here, um, I'll probably be forced to leave in order to um, pursue um, not just any job, but a job with full potential. And um, I think a lot of students feel that way. And um, not that I didn't think my incumbent um, was my incumbent opponent was going to work to bring jobs to the state, but I don't think he had the same desire um, for the millennial generation that was fueling me. And I definitely think it's neat to have someone uh, from that uh, generation to be involved in this way. I think that a lot of times we as young people, and I'm counting myself as that even though I'm (laughs) a little bit older than you, but we as young people often don't realize that the leaders of tomorrow are us. You know, it's not about uh, that these old, the older generation is going to be around forever. And then, of course, with certain uh, elections, especially on the federal level, it seems more easy to just go flick a lever for somebody that's been in office for even 30 or 40 years rather than really thinking about their ideas and thinking about whether they need to change. So I definitely uh, applaud you for realizing needs in your state and i don't know if it's quite as bad as west virginia but i know um through the through the whole recession and period that we've been through michigan was hit pretty hard and people were leaving michigan for pretty much the same reasons you outlined so i can definitely relate to that as well because i love my state of michigan and i would want people to feel like they could stay here because it's such a wonderful place to have grown up and to continue to live so Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you feel the same way about West Virginia. Absolutely. So then first you beat an incumbent in the primary and then um you go on to the general. Uh were you nervous for the general election? Um obviously you won pretty handily. Talk about how that felt. Um it was it was great. Um mind-blowing and a whirlwind with both elections. Um, No matter how well-prepared you think you are as any candidate, um, it's it's still you go in with a complete 50-50 mindset of, you know, I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose. And um, so um, I was so grateful um, when the results came in and I had um, my friends and my family um, with me at a dinner, um, and it was a thank you dinner um, because they had helped me so much um, with all of my campaign, and I was so grateful to have their support. And so um, it was one of the best nights of my life when I had everybody um, that I really cared about there um, offering me support, and um, it, 
it was truly a memory I'll never forget, for sure. For those that don't know, I think she won the primary uh, by about 12% or something like that, and she won the general by around 30%. So they, these were fairly handy victories. And one of the things that really stuck out to me also about you is your conservative stances on so many issues. Um, you uh, were raised in a, in a Bible-believing household. You talked in different interviews about your, your faith in God. Um, so could you talk a little bit about how that uh, played into your campaign and how, why those issues are so important to you? Yes. Um, my faith um, really led me along a lot of my campaign, um, especially in some of the hard nights where I really struggled to push through or forget why I was doing it or when I felt alone or confused. And then there was um, a lot of times that my faith, um, I was honest that it was going to have an impact on the way that I voted. Um, during my campaign, I sent out a 16-page mailer that really had everything you needed to know about me. Um, and in that mailer, I outlined what I like to call uh, my uncompromising principles. And those were uh, beliefs that I have that are faith-based and that I will never sway my opinion on um, because there are certain issues that um, I realize that I don't know everything about them and that I'd like to learn more and that I'm not going to go in with a um, I'm right, you're wrong, we can't compromise attitude because I don't believe in that. I think that's part of the problem that our current system has today is that we get so obsessed in the political parties um, rather than just as being human beings that are wanting the best for the state um, that our legislation, the quality of our legislation decreases. Um, but on certain issues, um, I was very adamant that um, they were drawn from my faith, and therefore, um, I was never going to waver on them. And, and I kind and I kind of bring that up not only because this is a Christian podcast, but also because I I I was taking a recent Facebook quiz. I don't take too many of them, but there was one that <laughs> said that they could guess um, how old you were based on your political views. And mm -hmm. I took it and we passed it around the family and my brothers and sisters and I, we started taking it and my sisters-in-law were all in our uh, early twenties to mid thirties. And we all, we all, we were all 62 years old <laughs> according <laughs> to that quiz. And so I was like, you know, they obviously don't know about people like our family or like Sarah Blair, who despite the fact of being young, uh, we have these conservative views because they're not just archaic uh, because they come from the living word of God. So I just thought that was really interesting. And I'm glad that you're out there showing that that is indeed the case. Um, as you've gone through um, this campaign or maybe even before that, do you have a life verse or a favorite Bible verse that you like to focus on? Um. I actually have a couple. Um, I think the one that um, I've always remembered the most, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> because I like um, more of the parable types, the ones that um, are enjoyable to listen to, um, but that it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Um and I like to take it not so literally with just riches and wealth, 
um, but just being too consumed in um, earthly matters and always. Um, when I got um, a lot of um, notoriety, I guess you could say, um, after winning my primary election, I kind of remembered that one and remembered not to let it go to my head um, because I definitely didn't do it on my own. And um, without my family, my friends, and my faith, I wouldn't have been there. That's definitely that's definitely a really good one. Um, and it's a good reminder for all of us to realize that whatever we're doing, we are... Uh, we are uh, doing, uh, hopefully, doing what God's will is for our life and not trying to match God's will up to our will, but rather to match our will up to God's. You know, I think of the verse, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I used to think that if I delighted in the Lord, he would give me a brand new car. That used <laughs> to be the way I would think about that verse. And then I realized that as you delight in the Lord, he changes your desires and he shows you what's important and he shows you what's worth pursuing. And it, it, it's going to be diametrically opposed to the world. And especially today in the culture in which we live in the social media culture as well, it's very hard to take a stand for truth. But uh, I thank you um, for, for doing that. And uh, I know that you're, you're just about, you know, just a, uh, just a little, you still have a little ways to go before you've been in a year, but this is a position that uh, has elections every two years, I assume? Yes. So are you already thinking about your next campaign? <sighs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't have to start worrying about it so soon, but um, I'd re really like to get my fundraising and my campaigning done before our session is from January through March. And so I'd really like to get a lot of the fundraising done before then so that while I'm working, um, I can actually be working instead of just campaigning for yeah, the next election. I, I want to make sure that I'm really serving the people. That, that's, that's, very, that's very noble and very good because that's one thing I often talk to my dad about. And I'm like, if the, if the terms are only two years and you, you know, then you have to run for re-election, how do you have time to actually serve, you know? Yeah. It'd be kind of nice for that reason if they were at least four-year terms because then you'd have, mm -hmm. you know, a couple years in the middle there where you wouldn't have to worry so much about it. But it yeah. is what it is. And uh, but, uh, I just want to thank you for taking these few moments to spend this time with us. I really appreciate it. I hope that um, others out there have uh, I enjoyed this interview as well. If you have any questions or comments, then you can uh, leave those on the blog post. And we will also link to um, Sarah's Facebook page, um, like Sarah Blair to the house, so that you can follow her progress and as she ramps up for the next election. My final question for you, Sarah, is if, if somebody, um, some young person of this generation, wants to get involved in politics, as you have, what would be a good starting place? Um, I'd say start uh, locally. Um, naturally, everybody um, is interested in what's going on at the federal level, especially right now with the 2016 uh, presidential election going on. You know, that's what everybody gets fired up about. 
but what directly affects you the most is your local uh, city councils, your mayor, your state representatives. Get to know them because a lot of them are very open and they'll sit down anytime that anybody calls me, even if they're not necessarily my constituent, but if they're a West Virginian even. Um, I love to just talk to them for a few minutes, explain to them what I do, um, how I got started, and how they can get involved. Um, so I definitely say reach out to your local representatives. All right. Well, thanks again uh, to, for being with us. Adam, do you have any final words for Sarah? Is there any way we can uh, be praying for you as the upcoming election year looms? Yeah, um, yeah thank you. Um, just um, thank you so much for having me on. And I, I would appreciate, yeah, if you kept me in your prayers just to get through this next election season <laughs> in one piece. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Sarah. Um, it's been great having you with us, folks. That's the show for today. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope you'll share it with your friends and continue to increase the listening base for the Speaking for Him podcast. Um, I, all I have to say from here on out is have a great weekend. And as I always say, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 